Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back. This is Real Estate Coaching Radio, and we are your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Wow, I can hardly believe that we're already seeing Christmas, uh, you know, <laughs> countdowns, and we're seeing, I suppose I shouldn't be surprised, though, you know, all of a sudden Christmas crept uh, into uh, October, so that is what it is. What we're seeing and hearing from a lot of you guys on our free coaching calls are constant um, challenges with getting buyers and sellers to be motivated this time of the year. And you know what? That makes perfect sense. So that's the reason that we are going to help you guys overcome a lot of the objections that are necessary for you to get business going now versus waiting till next year. So the topic of today's call is really how to overcome the most common objections you're hearing from primarily your sellers about listing their homes now versus listing them in the spring. And we're going to tar- we're going to start out by sharing with you guys some of the sort of you know, I could say outlines of conversations, they're scripts, but really what they are is outlines of conversations that you have to be having uh, in order to really make sure that these guys are thinking correctly about what is best for them. So let me just jump right in. And actually, you know what, before I do, Julie, anything, um, I know you are on coaching calls all day, and I know you are helping your clients overcome these objections as well. And I've been communicating with a lot of our coaches who have a lot of, you know, feedback about a lot of their – it's the same thing we hear every year from all of our coaching students. So uh, mm-hmm. anything interesting happening from your schedule you'd like to share with all of our listeners? Well, it, it has been very interesting. You know, we've worked hard with these guys on their pre-listing packages, our private coaching clients, and this is a great time to do what they're doing. Many of them are modifying slightly to go after builder business, to go after assisted living care business, to go after lease and property management business. So they're taking the standard pre-listing package and they're doing some minor enhancements and changes and they're using that to add a spoke to their business in the pre-pursuit of it for next year, if that makes sense. Yeah, it absolutely does. So drill down on that though, so they, they understand. Well, so for example, if you are somebody that is pursuing property management, and you may not have actually really considered that before, but it's a great way to maintain homeowner relationships, which will, of course, become your future listings. So you can then enhance your standard pre-listing package with what you will do for them as a leasing client, for example. Another spin on it is going after small uh, custom builder business, right? So what can you provide for them that they're not doing on their own? And you come up with a builder plan of action, what makes you different and what kind of value do you bring to the table for a small builder who may not be even advertising their product at all. They're probably not, almost assuredly not in the MLS for starters, but then you talk to them about what you will do for them. And that's anywhere from occasionally sitting in the model home, doing open houses, putting on parade of homes, you know, uh, broker opens, MLS. You can come up with a list pretty easily. And all you're doing is doing a supplement for your builder potential clients and using all of your other standard pre-listing package stuff. So they're expanding the pre-listing package idea into other avenues to add 
additional pipelines to their existing business, which I think is brilliant. It's great, and they have a lot of great homework, which is going to have a huge impact, not just next year, but for the rest of this quarter. Yeah, that's a fantastic idea, Julie. You and I need to do a supplement to Real Estate Coaching Essentials Level Mm 4, telling them how Mm -hmm. they can scale that idea so the PLP is geared towards non-consumers. So please write that down so you and I can work on that. We'll work on that over the holidays. It's an awesome idea. Mm -hmm. Good job. All right, so guys, we're going to take a real quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to give you, I think it's five or seven points, things you can specifically say to sellers to maybe get them to list now opposed to waiting until after the holidays. So we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we're going to hear from our friend, the president of the National Association of Realtors, Steve Brown. Are you ready for 2015? Do you have a plan in place to make it your best year ever? Or are you still struggling in your career and waiting for your ship to come in? You can make this your best year ever, but only if you take control of your career and create an action plan for success. Join thousands of top producing agents across the nation who have turned to Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching to help them achieve top producing production and performance. Coaching works, and that's a fact. 10% of agents complete an amazing 90% of all transactions, because they have a coach. Coaching and training is a critical part of a successful real estate career, but don't just take our word for it. Here's what Steve Brown, the president of the National Association of Realtors, had to say. Well, I'll tell you why it's critical. There are some brokers who, when they hire, they hire indiscriminately. They just don't even look at the training or they don't provide the training and the education that a new agent needs in in the marketplace. As a real estate agent, you've got to associate yourself with a firm that's dedicated to your professionalism and your growth, and then the services like a personal coach, like Tim, you, and Julie do. There are very few real estate people like you so personally and passionately involved in our industry. And um, thank you for for what you do for our industry. Both of you are a wonderful voice for all that's best in the realtor organization in our industry. So I thank you. If you want the production and performance that comes with being a top producer, then you need a coach. Not just any coach, but the leaders in coaching today. Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. We provide you with industry-leading one-on-one coaching with a trained professional coach, along with all the lead generation systems, scripts, presentations, team building, and business planning tools you need to dominate your local real estate market. We offer affordable pricing with no long-term contracts, and our entire coaching staff are trained professional agents with top producing track records. Take action and visit us at freecoachingcallsforagents.com to schedule your free coaching call with a trained real estate professional. There's no risk and no obligation, just a free, personal, one-on-one call with a trained professional coach. Join the elite 10% of agents who make all the difference in today's marketplace. Visit freecoachingcallsforagents.com to get started. Again, that's freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Okay, we are back. So let's, before we get to the points that Julie prepared for us today, let's cover a few brief points about their mindset issues more than anything else. And a couple, like I said, light scripts. First of all, I want you to be sure that you're not creating the objection in the seller's mind to wait until the, uh, after the holidays. Um, sounds absurd, but I bet you a lot of you are doing just that. You believe 
incorrectly, I might add, that now isn't a fantastic time to do a real estate transaction. And yeah, I realize that in a lot of uh, your states, it's now feels like the winter, the snow is coming down, the temperatures are dropping. I think they're, what are they calling this, Julia? Like a polar, what the hell is it? Some polar crazy eclipse name. or something, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a polar eclipse. I don't, it's like, like <laughs> what, you guys remember, like, wasn't that long ago then it was just called cold weather? And now these now things have these, these, they have these names, like, I don't even know the what. They're like name. something, yeah, exactly. They're crazy. Anyway, so there you go. Yeah. I realize that you're wading through a lot of those types of emotions that come with being, you know, cold and having the weather cold and having people, you know, focus on the holidays. And but listen, you got to be careful that you're not the one of creating the objection. You're not the one creating um, the excuse that the seller wait until after the holidays. You guys watch what you say. Oh, the activity's slower. Oh, this. Oh, that. Well, if you want to, uh, if you want me to prove, or rather, better yet, yourself to prove that this is a fantastic time to be in the market as a seller or a buyer. Go look in the MLS as far as how many transactions are happening, actually happening. Exactly. Now, generally speaking, you're going to see the days in the market takes a little bit longer. But also, generally speaking, what are you going to see? You're going to actually see that the list to sell price ratio is slightly higher. Now, why would mm-hmm. that be happening? Obviously, they're taking longer to sell because of the time of the year. But because there are fewer buyers in the marketplace, those buyers that are still, I'm sorry, there are fewer listings in the marketplace. Um, which means the buyers that are in the marketplace have fewer things to choose from. Now, one of the things that Julie and I always did, we always would, if we had a choice, you know, if a if a seller had some strange, it was usually a rental property or something that was just normally hard to sell, if maybe it was a location issue and the seller had flexibility, wanted to put it for sale, we always told them to put it for sale over the winter because they would have less competition and the buyers would obviously, you know, look over the busy road or look over the graveyard or look over the freeway overpass or whatever it was that normally would have killed it if there was a bunch of other houses for sale. So you guys think strategically and use the MLS to prove to yourself that there are still literally, you know, thousands of transactions happening in December, in January, in February, in March. Oh, and by the way, also in November. So the second thing I wrote down is when you hear – from a seller that they're thinking about doing X, let's say waiting to have for the holidays, you know, say something like this. You have to do what Julie and I call it, you know, enter a, have a pattern interrupt. Don't let them just continue on that same thought process. Say, Mr. Seller, listen, I appreciate that. And I can understand um, why you might want to uh, wait till after the holidays, you know, but let me, help me understand, why do you think that's best for you? Help me understand, Mr. Seller, why do you think waiting till after the holidays is best for you? Opposed to just hitting them over the head with the, you know, well, Mr. Seller, it might surprise you that, you know, analytical type response. Don't say something well, like or, that. Or worse, simply agreeing with them and backing down. Which is what my Being first point was about creating the objection right. or not over, you know. Mm-hmm. So help me understand, Mr. Seller, why do you think waiting till after the holidays is best for you? Well, I always thought there was no buyers in the market. Well, Mr. Seller, would it surprise you to know? that um, actually this is, generally speaking, the best time of year to sell because of the fact that there are fewer homes for sale and the buyers that are looking are the most motivated. Okay, So I'm just, again, doing my best to motivate you guys not to give up. And the third thing, let's say that you can't overcome the objection. Let's say that they're just bound to determine they have family coming in, they don't want to have to deal with you know showings, all these sort of, let's be honest, reasonable excuses not to be bothered with having your house for sale right now. Get the contract, get the listing contract signed anyway as a pocket listing, but get it signed. Don't assume that you're the only one chasing that listing. Now, I'm going to tell you guys a true story. 
And this is painful for me to say, but I'm going to tell you a true story. Julie and I, when we sold real estate, the latter stages of our real estate career, lived uh, on in New Albany, Ohio, on a street called Berkeley Square. Lovely, all-brick Georgian house. In most parts of the country, it would have been considered a mansion. But in Ohio, it was just a big house, okay? And this was in a lovely neighborhood created by Les Wexner. If you guys are from central Ohio and you've been to New Albany, you know what I'm talking about. It's kind of, it's breathtaking. So Julie and I had sold a lot of our neighbors' houses. We'd sold in those listings. We double into a lot of them. We represented the buyers. I mean, just in our immediate square, our immediate neighborhood there, if you will, there were probably a half dozen to ten transactions that we had done. And these were, you know, decent-sized sales. You know, 700, 800,000, you guys get the idea. There were three sellers that I knew were going to be listing their homes. All of, us, all of them were our past clients. They all said that they were going to take their transfers the beginning, you know, it was like second quarter, first quarter of the following year. So they all wanted to put them for sale after the holidays. Now, these were sellers that had relocation deals. They didn't necessarily have to concern themselves with timing it because they had buyouts and all that sort of thing. You guys have been in the real estate business for long enough to know what I'm talking about. But the moral of the story was, is I was certain that I had these listings. I was so positive that these were going to be three listings. I, I didn't follow up with these sellers. I didn't, oh, sure, we sent them Christmas cards, and I think we dropped off, you know, little holiday bottles of wine around Christmas and all that sort of thing. But we, I did not follow up as aggressively as I should have. Okay? Now what happened? There was a new realtor on, the, on one of the streets, had a fond. She got a real estate mm-hmm. license. I remember a that. A cute young mother with three little adorable kids, and she had a Christmas party, and all, this, all the neighbors went. Julie and I were out of town, and we didn't go. And what happened? She befriended all these potential sellers, and guess who got the listings in the spring? Oh, <laughs> Even to tell yeah, you that it. story, it hurts. <laughs> well, I mean, it was tens of thousands of dollars of potential commission because I didn't follow up because I was assuming that because they said I'm going to list in the spring, I assumed because I had this previous relationship with them that we were automatically going to get the listing. Now, what I should have done is what I'm asking you to do, which is get the contract signed, uh, you know, post-date it, do whatever it takes, but don't let a listing hang out there in the breeze, otherwise you won't get the listing. So there's an old Chinese proverb that says, a smart man learns from his mistakes, a brilliant man learns from the mistakes of others. Learn from my mistake. Now, Julie wrote down five or seven points. I'm not going to stand in the way anymore of her presenting these points. These are the things that you should say to your sellers, again, to help them overcome the fear of putting their house for sale now. Okay, perfect. So why do you want to have your home on the market during the holidays, whether it's fourth quarter, during the holidays, even getting into January, because the next objection like this will be, quote, I want to wait till spring, similar and related. So why? Well, during the holiday, yeah, you're going to have fewer showings, but they're going to be better showings. And what seller doesn't want to have fewer showings to get ready for, but know that all of them are quality showings, especially those of you who live in cold climates. If somebody is out with their snow boots on looking at your house, they're serious. So we want fewer showings, less hassle for you, but better quality showings. That's what everybody wants. So we don't want to prevent that from happening. There, of course, are serious buyers out there. So we want to make sure they're buying your house and not your neighbor's. So the second thing, there's less competition. So for every one person putting their home on the market during fourth quarter, there's at least 10 or 15 saying all the same thing. I'm going to wait till after the holidays. So let me ask you this. When there is more supply of anything, not just housing, but let's say there's more homes on the market after the holidays, what typically happens to the price? Does it go up or does it go down? 
And, you know, it always helps to ask them those questions so they self-discover that, and they'll, they'll think about it, and they'll say, well, I hadn't thought about it that way. I guess prices go down. Then you can say, well, you do want me to get you, there's your assumptive clause, you want me to get you the best price in the least amount of time for your home, don't you? Well, I mean, we're looking for the best price we can get, so why would we prevent that by waiting until we're competing with all of the newer listings, January, February, and March? It just makes sense to be on the market when there's less competition. Does that make sense, Tim? It does. Well said. All right. So next reason, a lot of people will say, well, you know, it's just a convenience or a hassle issue, right? They'll say, well, gosh, you know, I've got a lot of stuff going on with the holidays. I've got all these parties going on. I've got family coming over, people visiting. I just really don't want to be interrupted with all these showings. And, and those of you who are in pretty low inventory markets, you're going to hear this more than anybody because you know when you have a fresh listing, you get tons of showings. So your, your objection handler to that is, I can certainly appreciate that, and I know you're going to have a great holiday season with your friends and family and all the great stuff that you're doing. Uh, however, just know this, I can absolutely manage your showing activity. And if you've got a weekend where you've got family over and you just don't want to be bothered, well, we won't have any showings that weekend. We'll just communicate directly with each other, have a good line of communication going, and you let me know what's going on with your schedule, and I will handle that for you. We can make sure that all showings have to be confirmed. And those of you who are in the very high-end market or have a particularly persnickety seller, it wouldn't kill you to show up yourself for showings, right? You can volunteer to do that. It's not going to be every day of your life. You can be present for all showings and handle it if you had to, right? So remove the objection that I don't want to be interrupted by simply stating that you can handle their showing activity. Not doing that, I mean, really, it's kind of lazy to not handle that objection that way, right? So that's an easy one. Shall I continue, Tim? Anything you want to of, add? Of course. No, I'm, I'm reading along. I'm, okay. I'm learning. That, that was a good one. I hadn't actually been – that's a great one. Next point? Yeah, I don't want to be interrupted, so that's easy to handle. Okay, so next thing is of all of the different times of the year – to present your home, don't you think it probably looks the best during the holidays? It's going to be the prettiest. It's going to show the best. And you're already taking care of it. Okay? So, you know, one of the biggest things that you have to deal with as a seller is vacuuming and cleaning it up and making the beds and doing the dishes and all these things. But you're already doing that anyway because you've got holiday company coming over. So your home is going to show the best. And i got to tell you, every time I show a house, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, one of the first things that I hear serious buyers saying to each other is, gosh, the Christmas tree. Well, you're answering that for you, don't you? Aren't you? Okay, your Christmas tree is up, and obviously be sensitive to if they're not having a Christmas tree. You can change that uh, tone if you need to. But bottom line is your home shows the best fourth quarter. You're doing that anyway, so this is kind of killing two birds with one stone, right? So a home that is decorated will generally sell faster than otherwise, and here's the thing, if you need any proof of that, go walk through new construction model homes that are decorated to the hilt and ask yourself how those show. So well, most let's people's stop homes for a show second. the best during the holidays. Well, let's stop for a second. Why is that? If you guys, all of you, I'm sure, have worked with buyers before, what do they always do when they're serious about the house? Mentally, you know, they start placing the Christmas tree, don't they? They start thinking about whether yeah, their bed will furniture. fit. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. right? They, they, right. They start walking themselves through what it would feel like to live in this house uh, during different times of the year. Whereas the barbecue would go in the backyard if it's in the summer. Yeah. Exactly. So that's the nice thing about walking through decorated houses. It takes staging to an entirely different level. Again, these are things you can say to sellers 
when they're like a little bit on the fence about putting their house for sale now, again, don't be assumptive that just because you run across a seller that seems like they're open to listing with you in the spring that they're actually going to wait because most of them won't. Remember the horror story I just told you. Next point, Jules. Okay, perfect. And this is a major point. We used to experience this all the time. Keeping your home on the market, especially during December, can help you capture the out-of-town relocating buyer who has to start their job the first of the year. Very yep. common that relocating executives have to start their jobs January 1st. So typically, they, these, you know, and I know you guys like to whine and complain about paying big referral fees to relocation companies and all that, but here's the flip side to it. Usually they're spending decent money. Usually they're not contingent on home sale, and usually they've got about three days to make a decision. So to me, <laughs> even though I don't love you guys paying those referral fees, that kind of makes up for it, doesn't it? I mean, these guys don't have time to go look at 100 houses and torture you weekend in and weekend out. They are ready to make a decision, not contingent on home sale, might even have some corporate assistance, have their financing together, and have to make a decision. If they don't, they don't have a job. It's pretty clear. They're motivated. So typically, keeping your home on the market in December can capture that out-of-town relocating executive who's starting that job and is highly motivated. So we don't want to prevent that possibility from happening, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, do we? Of course not. We want to get that person. In fact, that's probably your perfect buyer this time of year. I'd hate to have your neighbor's house sell to that guy instead of yours, wouldn't you? So this is a good time for a story, right? Julie, do you remember the mm-hmm. house? And I bet you'll know exactly what I'm talking about even before I finish describing it to you. It backed mm-hmm. up to – it was in New Albany, um, Hampstead, mm-hmm. one of the Hampsteads, and it backed up to a busy road. It had a big backyard, but it backed right to a busy road. You remember that right, one? I remember. It didn't just back to the busy road, but I believe, if I recall correctly, they had the actual freeway on-ramp lit-up sign in their backyard. They did. Now, they had a lot of landscaping and everything. I mean, this, this is a true sto- story I'm about to tell you guys. So, you know, when, during the listing appointment, the guy had listed it previously, and it expired maybe two or three times. Um, he called Julie and I out. Uh, of course, we eventually sold it. But I remember he walked me to the back of this yard where I had a bunch of trees mm-hmm. planted. And trust me when I tell you, the traffic noise was really loud. And he had somehow installed this little fountain in the back and told me he went back right. there to, like, meditate because he thought the traffic noise sounded <laughs> like the ocean. And I that's totally what he remember ex- that. <laughs> that's what he expected us to say to prospective buyers, that we needed to take them back there to see his little meditation retreat underneath uh-huh. the freeway overpass. I'm not, you can't make this stuff up. It's, it's real. Okay. Well, you know. Turns out location does matter, and the house wasn't worth the neighbor's house was worth across the street because of the bad location. He didn't pay as much for it as the neighbor did across the street, and so it should make sense that it won't sell for as much. Price the house right, and who do we end up selling it to? Just like Julie just described, a very, very, very motivated relocating buyer who didn't really care about too much other than finding a nice home for him and his family. He knew he was going to be working at probably one of the limited companies for 36 or 48 months. And then he was going to get reloaded out. So he didn't really care about the location because at the end of the day, he had a buyout. Had there been a bunch of other houses for sale, I guarantee you that house wouldn't have sold. He would have bought something else, but there wasn't. He didn't have time to choose. He didn't have time to worry about it, so he just bought it. So we ended up not just listing it, but selling it to our own buyer. It was like a million dollars worth of uh, you know, sales, awesome. 500000 500000 So mm-hmm. why am I telling you that? 
because had the house been for sale during any other time of year, it wouldn't have sold. It sold like it did because it was for sale during what a lot of you would consider an off-season. So keep that in mind. These are real stories. Any top producer is going to have had a similar experience. You guys who are working with motivated buyers right now, when you look at the MLS, you're seeing things that maybe you wouldn't normally show, but given that you don't have a lot of alternatives, that's what you're showing. Makes sense? Next point, Jules. Well, and especially for somebody like a relocating guy that you know has to make a decision now and has three houses to choose from. You want to be one of those three, and you want to win that lottery, right? So uh, it, it's interesting the point you make about the freeway house because typically, statistically, houses that are challenged in some way almost always sell fourth quarter. Weird yep. colored houses, location challenged houses, unidentifiable smell houses. You yeah, know, I was about you to say that. We have some of those is, right? too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember a uh, very smoke-filled house that sold fourth quarter, right? Yep. I remember. Because yep. they have less competition. Yeah, we, yeah. you know, you you sell enough houses, you guys are going to have all kinds of. <laughs> we were well, you yeah. There was know. the blood house. There was the murder house. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we could go on. So we could go on. Keep in mind, That's right. Well, so and sometimes it's not quite that severe. Sometimes it's just something that you know the sellers took a break back in July because there was more competition. Go yep. back and look at your calendar, at your schedule. Some of you guys have people who gave up earlier in the year who should be on the market and who are thinking, I'm going to wait till after the holidays, but really they would do a lot better to be on the market now. So keep that in mind. You may be able to find a couple of listings you weren't thinking of by doing just that. So well, the next, it's, it's, worth, go ahead. it's worth mentioning too, Julie, that a lot of buyers are going to also be really motivated this time of year out of rightful fear that interest rates are going to increase mm -hmm. dramatically. Or right. not even that dramatically, but a half point or a point, depending on where you are in the mar in, in, you know, in the country, and depending on mm -hmm. you know what price Pricing. range we're talking mm -hmm. about, a half point or a point is a hell of a lot in terms of the interest rate of yeah. the mortgage, let alone the monthly mm -hmm. payment. So you guys got to be yeah. also remembering that, right? Because a lot of your sellers are also buyers. So all right, next thing. You can be rewarded for staying on the market when you sell. That way you can move your own plans ahead. Now, this is kind of a double-edged sword, Tim, because sometimes sellers will say, well, gosh, you know what, I don't want to move during the holidays, right? So the first thing is I don't want to show during the holidays, then that becomes I don't want to move during the holidays. And that's where you guys have to remember, uh, most of you at least claim to negotiate for a living, right? So you want to talk to the seller about how you can negotiate a rent back, a longer closing. You can organize their closing dates. You can make that happen. And, in fact, it's a tremendous advantage to them to know that they are sold fourth quarter, knowing that there's a lot of inventory coming up after the holidays. Wouldn't it be better for them as a buyer to be able to have more homes to choose from versus having to wait it out, you know, having competition for their own home, at least now we know what we're dealing with, and we can certainly negotiate. The holidays are a great excuse for me to go back to the other agent and say, hey, you know what, they don't really want to be moving the week of Christmas. Let's extend this and have them close the first week of January. So all of that can be negotiated. And you know what, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, you always have the ability to say, no, that's not my cup of tea, and we'll wait for the next offer if we have to. Yep. Good point. Any other points, my dear? So good luck bailing on the holidays after all those scripts, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, really, guys, I would go as far as to suggest that every single prospective seller you talk to understands, uh, you know, frankly, that they have to have the house for sale now if you just basically take a little bit of time to explain to them the advantages of having it for sale. But the reason that you're not listing properties now is because of you. You're saying things. So 
you guys got to do a deep dive on really what you're communicating to these prospective sellers and your brokerages as well. So I know we have a lot of real estate brokers um, that are listening. How many of you guys have on your voicemails uh, that your holiday hours will be X or that you're, you're having, you know, your office will be closed during this time to this time? I see it all the time. You know, if you're announcing to the prospective sellers in your community or buyers for that matter that you are more or less taking the winter off, why would anyone choose any of your agents to do business with? They won't. Agents, you're doing the same thing. You don't need to be telling folks that you have limited hours this time of year. Don't be broadcasting that because really all you're saying is, hey, I'm part-time. Don't take me seriously. So when you guys get hold of a seller that has to sell, remember the difference between have to sell and want to sell, coaching students, you certainly know this because all of our coaches drill down on you about this every single day, focus on the have to sells and not the want to sells. When you have a have to sell, your rule is you have to list them. So a have to sell equals you have to list them. Don't allow your sort of maybe falsely believed concept that now is not a great time to have your house for sale stand in the way of you guys helping folks and making money. Take this stuff seriously. Trust me when I tell you, come spring, you're going to wish you did, especially as you see the signs go up in yards that aren't yours of listings you thought were yours. Keep all this in mind. Anything we can do for you, free coaching calls for agents.com, free coaching calls for agents.com. Guys, I really appreciate all of you sharing the radio show replays with all of your realtor friends. Thank you for making us the number one real estate coaching radio show. Um, and thank you for making us number one in blog talk radio in the business section. If there's anything we can do for you, of course, what do you do? Go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. If you're listening to us for the first time, you want to learn more about us, go to timandjulieharris.com. Um, or, of course, if you want to email Julie or myself directly, our private, not so private anymore, <laughs> email addresses are coachtimharris at gmail.com or coachjulieharris at gmail.com. And we'll talk with you on the radio tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.